Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming only on Hulu. No one is, 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 is more locked Thursday to Monday, no one is more locked into the NFL than First and Pod. Hosted by Danny Parkin and Andrew Filippone. Rules from the NFL owners meetings. We'll start with the one that sounds like it's going to happen. Last report that I saw was that they've got 22 uh, yeses. They need 24 to pass it. And that's for the Thursday night football flex. Now, this is going to be a case a case study in media literacy. That's what this is going to be. Because I see J.J. Watt, freshly retired, one of the most famous football players of the last two decades, probably one of the two or three most famous non-quarterback football players of the last couple of decades. And he says on his massively popular social media channel, he's got 5.6 million followers on Twitter, Flexing games from Sunday to Thursday is a terrible idea for two main reasons. One, player safety. You can't make this decision and also preach that player safety is a priority. Two, fans. People spending hard-earned money to see their team play. Who's paying to change their plans? Let's address these one by one, JJ. One, player safety. You can't make this decision and also preach that player safety is a priority. Are you new? Are you new here? I know you're not. But like, it's always been a farce. It's always been a charade about player safety. They paid their $800 million in the concussion lawsuit. And they're done with it. That's what it is. They... They obviously you want to have great medical personnel on the sidelines, save DeMar Hamlin's life. They put their studies and try to make a football helmet as safe as possible, but you know, change some rules here and there, try to limit collisions on kickoffs. I understand all of that, but the almighty dollar trumps player safety. Always has, always will. They don't care. They will do all of the song and dance and the charade and 
the investment and the study and the doctors and and fine, but like that is change in the sofa cushion compared to what this could possibly bring in, which brings you to your second point, fans. Flexing games from Sunday to Thursday is a terrible idea because for fans, people are spending their hard-earned money to see their team play. Who's paying to change their plans? The answer is nobody. The answer is nobody. But here's the thing. The NFL also doesn't care about you. They don't care about me. They only care truly about one thing and one thing only, and that's their television partners. That's where they make all their money. How is the NFL the richest league with the fewest games? It's because their games get the highest ratings on television. So the NFL, like like Major League Baseball, when they had nobody in the stands and a huge reduction in games, they legitimately lost money. And not like, oh, we made less money this year than before. They actually lost money because a huge percentage of the revenue from Major League Baseball teams is in the stadium. They sell tickets to 81 games a year. They sell hot dogs at 81 games a year. Hats, beers, everything, 81 times. That is a tremendous amount of in-stadium inventory. Bears had eight home games last year. Yeah, you have more people at a Bears game than a Cubs game, but not by that much. Put 38, 39, 40,000 at Wrigley Field. Put 68,000 at Soldier Field. It's not that that big of a difference. Now, Soldier Field's one of the smaller stadiums. The Wrigley and Cubs are, you know, top five, top seven in attendance every single year. I understand maybe that's a little bit of an extreme example, but still, the inventory is just so massive that – The NFL makes its money in $1,000 bills. Major League Baseball makes it in singles and fives. Major League Baseball makes a ton of money, but they make it regionally. They make it locally. They make it by concessions and jerseys and quantity, volume of events. Yes, volume of events on local television, but volume of events, quantity. The NFL, crisp, clean $100 bills. Big bills. They make it from CBS, Fox, NBC, ABC slash ESPN, Disney, and now Amazon. That's where they make their money. So they care about the television product. I once heard someone describe the new Cowboy Stadium when they were building it as a television studio that just happens to have a football field at the center of it. That's what it is. So Why are they going to approve late season flexing of games to Thursday night football at the expense of, yes, player safety and at the expense of, yes, us, the paying customer? Because it makes the television package more valuable. That's it. That's the only reason to do it. Because, yeah, that would suck if you planned a weekend trip to... Vegas to see Bill's Raiders and that game got flexed to a Thursday and your plane ticket was Friday to to Monday morning or Sunday night because you thought the game was going to be, you know, a noon kickoff or a 10 a.m. kickoff, whatever it would be in Vegas. That would suck. 
But who, like JJ Watt's like, who's going to reimburse you? Breaking news. Nobody. They don't truly care about the paying customer in the stadium. They'll say they do, just like they say they will about player safety, but they truly don't care. So that's the one that is going to pass. Now I want to talk about a rule that apparently gained absolutely no traction. No one is interested in it. And for the life of me, I can't understand why. Why is the XFL rule of instead of an onside kick, the team that scores a touchdown has the option to go for it. The proposed rule was fourth and 20. You go for it on fourth and 20 from your own 25 yard line. And if you convert, you get to keep the ball from wherever the play ended that you got the conversion. So if you get 21 yards, first and 10 at the 46, you score a touchdown. Congratulations. You scored a touchdown. You get 50 yards. You get the ball at the other teams, 25, et cetera. The onside kick rule, since they changed the ability to get the running start for the kicking team, the success rate has plummeted. Used to be above 15%. This past year, three of 56 onside kicks were converted. Three of 56. What, 5.3%? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There's not a lot of drama in the onside kick. And I understand it should be difficult. It shouldn't be easy. It shouldn't be make it, take it. We're not playing pickup hoops here. I get it. But I was reading a, a breakdown of this. Basically, it was the Broncos who proposed uh, the idea of going for it on 4th and 15. 4th and 15 has a... Historical recovery, uh, so the onside kick historical recovery rate was 13.2%, again, over a large sample of time. Their proposal allows for, basically, if you wanted to come in at that rate, a 4th and 17 type of play. So make it 4th and 20, but instead of, you know, the Adam Vinatieri's and Jay Feely's and Cairo Santos's of the world... You give the ball to Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow and run a play. It happened in the XFL. We saw it happen. Touchdown, conversion, onside kick conversion, touchdown, win the game. Crazy exciting. Like, How is that not the best option for everybody here? The onside kick has outlived its usefulness. I think the XFL, like I don't care about it because I have no rooting interest unless I'm gambling and I'm not gambling on it. I know Pony one time said that he had like an in on one of the teams because he knew a coach or something. But like for me, I need to care about who wins for me. Like there has to be stakes attached to the sporting event for me to care about it. I don't care about the stakes of the XFL, so I don't care about it. 
But any league that's pushing the envelope of innovation, man, I want to steal from you. The extra point. That's a boring play in the NFL. There is no extra point in the in the XFL. You can go for one from the two, run a play from the two yard line. You go for two, run a play. I think from the three yard line, or go for three. Uh, for what is it? Four, and run a play from the five yard line. You can double check me on that, Spencer. But like, you have the option of a one, two, and three point play from different yardage lines after you score a touchdown. Well, that changes the strategy completely. And it adds an extra exciting play, a one, two, or three-point play, and it removes a boring play, the extra point. And it adds more game theory and strategy as opposed to automatic decision-making. And we'll get more scoregamis, scores that we've never seen before, if you've got the ability to have nine-point possessions. Yeah, so I think I – oh, no, I wasn't right. I was right that it's one and two and three-point plays. The yardage lines were different. Two-yard line was one point. Five-yard line was two points. Ten-yard line was three points. Thank you. So, yeah, if you're down eight and you score a touchdown and you want to go from the for the win, you're running a play, a three-point conversion play from the ten-yard line. Let's go. Like, I don't understand how the play, the pass interference that was missed in the NFC title game a few years back against the Saints led to an uproar that led to us having pass interference being reviewed for just a year. And then everyone realized, oh, we overreacted, just like I said that they had overreacted. And that was a terrible idea. And they walked that thing back. Why can't we try this for a year? Why can't we try... Onside kick to get the ball back, 4th and 15, 4th and 20, whatever you guys agree upon. And one-point play, two-point play, three-point plays. Like, is the union just like, sorry, kickers, we don't want to lose you from our membership? Like, is that the reason? Are we protecting the Justin Tuckers of the world? I don't care. More scoring. Like, we, we care about quarterbacks. We care about plays. We want points. Feels to me like that is some combination of that should happen, but specifically that onside kick rule. 